thinking might be the hardest thing you do today. Everything you think leads to an action. Every thought in your mind has come into your mind from either the world, from Satan, or from God's word. It's the most important thing you'll do today. It forms your belief system. It shapes your worldview. It was the reason that you sat in the seat that you're in right now. Some of you said, I deserve that seat. That's my seat. You thought it was your seat when it's not your seat. Some of you are in the back of the room. You made a decision to sit there so you could be way away from me. You like it back there. Some of you have made decisions where you parked because you had to park there because a parking attendant said so. Some of you didn't like that. And so you chose a thought. We make all of our decisions based upon what we think. And every thought, we have control over our thoughts. You made a decision when the offering plate went by today, whether or not you would give, whether you would tithe, whether you would give an offering. Some of you didn't even think about giving until the offering came. Some of you have pre-thought about giving because it's a step of obedience for you. You made decisions this morning, what you would eat for breakfast based upon what you thought. This is what I like. This is all that's in the cupboard. This is, some of you walked and got coffee out in our coffee bar. Some of you were angry because you had to wait in line because 10 people were in front of you. You forgot to think that there were volunteers that have been there for three services. While you were more worried about your coffee, you could have said thank you. Every single thing that you do and I do is based upon what we think to be true or not true. Our thoughts control our actions. Let me give you a for instance. When I say the name of this team, a thought will come to mind because you believe something about this team based upon the thoughts that you've allowed into your mind. So if I said to you that Notre Dame Fighting Irish is a good football team, some of you might what? Many of you would think they're overrated every year. Because, (laughs) see? What'd I tell you? Now, how can he think that when the rest of you think that? Some of you have thoughts when I say the Michigan Wolverines. You have thoughts. You think thoughts about that. Some of you think thoughts when I say Ohio State Buckeyes. Some of you are thinking, those Ohio State Buckeye fans drive me nuts. You thought those and responded because of thoughts that were in your mind. If I said USC Trojans to Notre Dame fans, you you thought something. And if I were to say the Maryland Terps, you would just laugh at me. (laughs) Everything that you do is based upon a thought. The reason you made your hair the way it is today, the outfit that you chose, the shoes to try to match the belt, whatever you did, the hat to match the shoes was based upon what you thought to be true. Paul is looking at this church And he realizes that there are people who are thinking is driving them to worry, to anxiousness. 
he realizes that there is a group of people who call themselves Christ followers, but their thinking isn't right. And so you know what he does? He says, I have a prescription for you. And he opens up this letter and he begins to write. Paul, the physician says, you won't find this at CVS. You won't find this at the Walmart pharmacy. But if you want a prescription to find healing to the choices that you're making, to the choice of worry and anxiousness, I have a prescription that comes from above, from the great physician God. And this is what you can do to allow your actions to be different than what you are right now. Paul loved these people. Yet he saw them going down a path because they weren't thinking right. Well, let's take a look at this prescription. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 8 to 9. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 8 to 9. And I'll be reading from the NIV 2011 version. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Stand with me and we'll read God's word out loud together while we're standing. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's read that last sentence again. This is what happened as a result of living out this prescription. Let's read the last sentence of verse 9. Ready, read. And the God of peace will be with you. You may have a seat. I'll begin by saying this today. You control your thinking. I can't control what you think. You can't control what I think. We have a choice. You can't control what your daughter thinks. You can't control what your son thinks. You can't control what your wife or brother or husband or mom or dad thinks. You might even try to change their thinking as a child. Dad and mom, why do you always think this way? But the truth of the matter is, no one can control their thinking or your thinking except you. You control your thinking. Stop And pause for a second. Why is Paul telling them to think on these things? Because of this. He knows that there's a group of them processing this thought. We might not ever see Paul again. He's in prison. And so some of them, because of that, worry and anxiousness is overcoming them. Some of them have an unresolved argument right in front of them. Yodia and Senchi are arguing and it's causing strife. And so there's some in this church that are, have moved beyond concern to worry and anxiousness. And he says, listen, if you want the medicine that will bring health and healing to this sin in your life, here's the prescription. Think on these things. He also knew that some of them were thinking, we'll never see him again. Their helper, their their comrade, their former pastor. And so he is looking and he's seen and caring as a shepherd would for his people. And this same prescription that Paul wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit in the first century, guess what? Is as good 
then for them as it is for us today. Before we look over these things. Consider this truth when it comes to thinking. Satan knows if he can control your thinking, he can control your life. And so you know what he does? The Bible says this. Satan is called in the New Testament. It says that his native language is lies. So when he speaks, think about this. He speaks a lie. He is called the father of lies in the New Testament. So when he speaks, he's going to feed you a lie. And so all day long, this barrage of thoughts wants to control your mind. He comes at you, disguises it as good, but then he twists it and speaks lies into your life. And if you don't shut that off, the frontal lobe of your brain, your logic, your reasoning will be controlled by the lies of a person, an enemy whose native language is lies. So every day you're opposed. Every single thought that comes your way is opposed. Why? Because if Satan can control your thinking, He will control your life and he will get you to run from God and to run from the truths of his word. Your thoughts are opposed. Now think about this. Psalm 119 verse 11, I memorized as a kid in the King James. says that that if we hide our God's word in our hearts, we will not sin against him. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The NIV says it this way, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What that passage is saying is, if we take the truth of God's word, we put it in our heart, in our conscience, in our minds, we will make choices that line up with God's word and that will not cause us to worry that will not cause us to be filled with anxiousness, which sin. We won't sin against him. But the reality is this. We cannot be profoundly impacted by something we do not know. Think about that for a second. You can never be profoundly impacted by the word of God if you do not know the word of God. You can't take these words and hide them in your heart. And so when this native language speaks from Satan, you won't know whether it's a truth or a lie. But the Bible says in Psalm 119, if we hide God's word in our hearts, that when this whisper from the enemy comes, we will say reject because it's not truth. Unless you spend time here, you can't be profoundly impacted by something that you don't spend time with. So let's make it very, very practical. How many of you this morning, the first thing that you put in your mind was your mobile device and you went to social media? How many of you, the very first thing that you did today was to watch the news or read the news or grab the Goshen news or the Elkhart truth? How many of you, the first thing that you put your eyes on was something besides the word of God? Now listen to me, hear me out. If you're not daily spending time in God's word, you can't be profoundly impacted by truth. 
Maybe the very reason that your life is full of anxiousness and worry and you're finding yourself on this dark path is because you're not getting God's word hid in your heart. Maybe you're hiding the Goshen news in your heart. Maybe you're hiding what a friend told you in your heart. Maybe you're making assumptions that aren't true and you're hiding them in your heart. Maybe the reason you're thinking this about your mom and dad is because your friend told you this, but this isn't what God told you. And so Paul says, think on things that, that are truthful, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. I also know this to be true. Two thoughts cannot occupy the mind at the same time. So the choice is yours. Destructive or constructive thoughts. Okay, why do you say that, Pastor Jim? Let me ask you a question. What does it say in the book of John? The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So let me tell you what he's going to do. He's not going to feed you thoughts of constructiveness, how to make your marriage better, how to love your neighbor, how to show the world that Jesus is king of the universe, how to influence your mind. He's going to feed you destructive thoughts. And listen to me, destructive and constructive thoughts can't at the same time occupy your mind when you make a decision. You can't be controlled by two thoughts at the same time. I love how Eugene Peterson translates verse eight here. Listen to this. He says this, summing it all up, friends, I say, You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. What you focus on, what you put your mind set on will fill your mind and it'll lead to an action. And if it's focused on Christ and his word, your action will lead to an obedient action following after God. So what are these things we're supposed to think on? Look again, whatever is true. Truth is the first test. And you always ask, maybe your kids say something. Maybe your husband or wife or boss and you wonder, is it true? It's the foundation from which everything should come from us. And the only way you find truth, hear me. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. Scripture tells us this, that the truth sets us what? Free. And so Paul is saying, think on truth. So how do I find truth? You won't find it. In the Goshen News. You won't find it on CNN. If your daily appetite is filled with those sources and it's not filled with God's word, you will never find the truth that will set you free. So what do you do? You spend time in God's word. You find a reading plan. You find a devotional plan. You memorize scripture. You hide it in your heart. Why? So that you don't sin against God. 
You tell yourself what scripture says. You speak it back out. You just sang a song and some worship songs. And when you spoke those words, that's why I love worship. Now here, let, me, let me help some people today. Even if you can't sing on tune, hear me out. I mean, this is sincere as possible. It has nothing, when we stand to worship, has nothing to do whether you can sing on tune or off a tune. God asks us to praise his name. There's times I don't sing on tune. There's times I sing off tune. But here's what I know when I do. When I sing the words in a song, I am proclaiming truth and truth sets me free. And even if it means I just talk the words out, please hear me. Maybe that's been your bent for a long time when it comes to worship. You remain silent. I encourage you. I implore you. Teenagers, I encourage you. Shout it out. Speak it out. Men, I encourage you not just to stand in reverence, but to belt out the troops. Because truth sets you free. Hear me out. Until you speak it, until you act it out, it doesn't become truth in action. So Paul says, think on things that are true. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am redeemed. My citizenship's in heaven. That if God is for me, who could ever stand against me? My, my son or daughter that has went, run from God, but in a time made a decision for Christ. If God started the work, he will complete it in them. And so you speak those truths. Truth sets you free. Paul says, think on those things. Paul says, and whatever is noble. What's the idea of noble? It has the idea of dignified. That which is majestic and awe-inspiring. It's, 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 it's the idea of being worthy of honor and, and respect. It's showing dignity and defeat. I mean, how many times have we said that? How many times have you along the way and I have? Wow. I can't believe the dignity in which they respond. That was a dignified action. Wow. He says, think on those kind of things. Let your mind be consumed with dignified actions and dignified thoughts. It's, it, it, it's the athlete in high school or, or the girl that goes out for, for cheerleading or choir that, that, that doesn't get the number one spot, ends up on the B squad or the intramural squad, and her response is, you know what? Hey, I did my best, and you know what? I didn't get in or I make the team, but I'm going to glorify God. And you say, that's a dignified response. You just think on those things. Those are the things you should think on. Noble things. Then he says this. He says, whatever is right. What's that? Whatever conforms to the God's standard. Not right in my eyes. Or what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to do that too. We should go do that. Grabbing your girlfriend and saying, let's go do this together. Instead of asking, what does God think? Every thought must be lined up with the word of God. Then and only then is it right. So how do you think on right thoughts? You spend time in God's word. Teenager, you ask your mom or dad who is a student of God's word, show me in God's scripture where that's true. You don't ask your teenage friend, 
Guys, you don't ask the coworker who doesn't know Christ what is right about your marriage. What would you do? He's going to tell you something. Listen to me. By the way, advice is cheap in the workplace. They don't have to deal with the consequences that you deal with. So what should I do in this relationship, in this marriage that's going south? What does God think? What does God say? Does this action line up? And here's what happens. When we act out what God says to be true, our lives are full of peace, even in the midst of everything else falling apart. Why? Because God guards our minds and guards our hearts, and it transcends all understanding. And Paul is looking at this church. There was this group that was fretting and worrying and were anxious. And he says, no, think on things that are true, noble, right, that line up with God's word. Then he says this, whatever is pure, What's pure? It's undefiled, not coarse. Later, he says in Colossians, don't have anything to do with coarse talking or thinking. If your thoughts live in the gutter, don't be surprised if your mind is covered with slime. Think on pure thoughts. I love how James said it later. Just listen to this as you keep your hand there, and I'll read from James 1.27. James said this about pure thoughts and pure religion. James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows in distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's the idea of you want pure and faultless, it's to think pure thoughts. One of the things I do just from a very practical perspective, I think about that a lot, pure and faultless religion. I want to have that kind of walk with the Lord. And so you know what I do often? I think about our precious rescued orphan kids. Like I can see their faces. Like I remember the first time we went in there eight to 10 years ago. And and I remember they were this size. And I picture in my mind, I'm thinking these thoughts of pure. I, I picture me driving back in the van, going back to the home. And some of you've been there. And these kids that are waving, they got the blue crew shirts on. And I picture as you open up that van door and they grab a hold of your hands and they say, I love you, daddy, mommy, sister, brother. Like when I think on those thoughts, my heart is content and filled with peace. And so Paul says, think on things that are pure. The reason it's so important to take every thought captive is because what you believe will impact the decisions you make about others. So do you believe truth or do you believe in a rumor about someone? How do you know if it's a rumor? You seek truth. You line it up with God's word. Is it fact or is it fiction about your teacher, your coach? Do you believe gossip or do you believe truth? Do you believe something about your ex that isn't true, that you're holding on to, that you shouldn't? Paul reminds us, think on things that are True, noble, right, pure. Then he says this. He says, think on things that are lovely. By the way, it's the only time in the whole New Testament. New Testament was written in Greek in the original. There's only one time in all the New Testament that this word appears. It's right here. It doesn't appear anywhere else in the New Testament, but it appears in this list. The idea of the word lovely 
used only here in the New Testament, means love towards. It means your mind will attach itself only to those things that are pleasing, agreeable, and attractive. So how do you do that? Like, how's a dude think about lovely things? I think about my wife. Precious. What a gift from God. I think, wow, God, wow. It tells us that he who finds a wife finds a good and lovely thing. I think for me personally, I'm a very visual learner. I love, I'm also an experiential kind of time with God. Like I worship God outside in the wilderness. And so my wife and I specifically, we, we have a garden that we plant and she has a flower garden. And one of the reasons I love putting seeds in the ground and plants in the ground. I love watching the, the harvest come from it. And I'll look at this fruit or I'll look at this, 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 this vegetable and I'll say, man, there's gotta be a God that if I put that in the ground, this came from it. It's lovely. I'll never forget four years ago, black bear hunting in Alaska and taking the sea vessel out across the, 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 the ocean there and getting out across that bay and seeing whales and, and, and seeing otters and, and bald eagles and then waking up in the morning with no internet and, and no satellite it's like, and just standing there. I remember just getting out of my tent and just going, wow, lovely. Like how often do you just fill your minds with that? It's one of the reasons I like running outside. I'm not distracted by a treadmill. And some of us, we run and we watch TVs, we watch the news. We've got to keep up. We've got to fill our mind. No, how about just pull away from all the devices and just look at God's grandest, the grandeur of his creation. Paul says, think on those things. And when you do, you know what happens? Wow, what a God we serve. Wow, how did he do that? And you read God's word, he spoke it into creation and you're backed away with, whoa. Paul says, think on those things. Then he says, think on things that that are admirable, things worthy of study and contemplation. contemplation. It's, It's us saying, I admire that about you, the way you handle that. Think back to situations where someone handled it with such grace with such faith. Think about that picture of someone that you know, mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, teacher, whomever it is. Think about whoever that is and think, man, they went through that hardship. I admire your faith. He says, think about those kind of things. And then he sums it up. He says, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think on the things God has done or is doing. Why? Why praiseworthy? You know, this has been a practice of mine for a very, very, very long time. When we praise God, Revelation tells us this, that we overcome the evil one, the father of lies, by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. What's a testimony? It's acknowledging that God did something that we couldn't do on our own. And so when we have thinking on things that are praiseworthy, we're thinking about God. The Bible also tells us that praise pushes the way the, the enemy. And so when you're thinking on God and you're thinking on what he's done, listen, when there is a praise time and you're in a circle, don't just sit there. A praise isn't a praise until you speak it. Until you speak it. And when you speak it, demons run. Darkness flees. Darkness flees. 
And he's looking at this church and he's realizing, all I see is worry and anxiousness. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Think on things that are praiseworthy. Why did he tell them that? Because he knew if they could just take time and have praise, that darkness would flee, sin would leave, and God would get glory, and the peace of God would guard their minds and their hearts in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, this is a prescription that you won't get at Walmart. Think on these things, Paul is saying. Allow them to become part of your life. Now consider Ephesians 3.20. Paul, same author, wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said, listen to me. He says, now to him who is able to do more than we ask, think, or imagine. Think about that for a second. I, I often think, Lord, I think about these thoughts. And so I get away. And so I start dreaming big. If, if money's no, no object, if, if time is no object, if space is no object, if, if time it has nothing to do with it, I just start thinking, Lord, what if you could do this, Lord? If you could do this right here. Every single big move of God began with an idea. Paul says, think on those things. And after you got done thinking, realize that God can multiply that a zillion times over. I'm being honest. Sometimes I think, well, I almost see that. Because I got quite the imagination. So God says, think on those things. Surround yourself with people of faith. The steps of faith you take are determined by how big you think your God is. Negative thinking, Paul is reminding this group, and worry produces death. Faith lace, positive biblical thoughts about God produces unimaginable things. I'll say it this way. Let me just kind of just sum this up. Worry does not empty itself of tomorrow's sorrows, but it empties today of its strength. Like worry does not empty the weight of tomorrow's sorrows. Like somehow worrying is going to make things better. No, it empties today's strength from you. You remove that strength and you're weak and battered and you get chewed up by the enemy. Please take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Instead of, I will never amount to anything. I will never make a team. I will never be in the in crowd. I will never get that job. I will never be able to accomplish that. I will never be able to marry again. I will never be able to be fit. I will never be able to overcome. Instead of thinking those thoughts, think the unimaginable thoughts that God can do way more than you can ever imagine. You see, Paul's saying, do that. By the way, I love when I see people think that way. I have these people in my life that I just stand back and watch that are farther down the road than I am. And I love watching them. And we're going to see in a second why I think it's good to have those kind of people in our life. Because they push me. They challenge me. And I love when I watch men come to gather together. This past Friday night, we had our, our, our fight club kickoff at, down at the lodge. And just one of the moments when guys came, they parked out in the field and they walked over and we had this gauntlet set up like never we've never done before. 
And so we had this gauntlet with, with a cargo net that they had to climb over. It's at midnight. And they had to swing on this large rope that was 30 feet in the air. And then they had to run through these large tractor tires that we had smoke and haze coming through. And, and then after that, they, they had to crawl under this, this net that we had there. And at the end, guys got to run through a fire ring that was fired up by propane gas. So we watched these guys come to this gauntlet. And I watched them. And you could look in their eyes and think, he's not going to do it. He's not even going to try. Because he's believing something. And by the way, we encouraged some not to do that because it was a wise decision. But I tell you, even the ones that didn't go through it, they wanted to walk through that fire ring. And they did. They walked down the hill. But there's always those people that come and you think, wow. Like, look at, look how he sees this obstacle in front of him. Let me give you an example. Friday night, there was a man there by the name of Ralph Kurtz. He's the father of Rick Kurtz. Ralph had contacted me. He doesn't come to grace. He's a believer, obviously, but he had been traveling, been on vacation. And they'd been traveling some, and and they just got off vacation. And he called me early this week. He said, hey, Pastor Jim, I'll let you know I'm coming Friday night. I I don't want to tell Rick about it. My grandsons are going to be there, and we're going to have three generations of Kurtz going through Fight Club. I thought, that's a great idea. He said, but don't tell him I'm coming. So that night, it's midnight, guys are lined up, and we're, we're watching them come in. They're laying down their chairs, and, and, they're, and, and, and they're, they're ready to see this gauntlet. And, he, and this man, Ralph Kurtz, showed up. It looked like he just came from vacation. He had this Hawaiian shirt on, had his hat on, like, and he shows up, and it looked like he just left the beach. But what he did next just encouraged my heart. I watched this man who's in his 60s or 70s take a look at what was in front of him, and he made a decision. Some might even say it's unwise, but I'm going to show you a photo. But he made a decision that he was all in. Take a look. Take a look at this photo. This is him coming over top. (laughs) Look at the look of his grandson's face. Look. He's like, Pop, what are you doing? I mean, he was just like all in. He, he just, and I watched him. He just flipped right on his back, pulled up his shorts, and kept on going. You see, something allowed him to do that. There was something that he processed in his mind that says, hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give it a shot. Instead of coming there and saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. It's too hard, it's too difficult. It's never been done before by a 70-year-old man. He just worked his way over that cargo net. He grabbed a hold of that rope that was this big around. He swung down there, almost fell three times. He saw himself in the tires, and he worked himself through the tires. And you should have seen this man run through that fire ring. I'm inspired by these kind of people. Why? Because he made a choice to not allow the thinking that would would have caused him to not even try. You see, God is not interested in our ability. He's interested in our availability. And we need to be available when we're called to be used by God. You see, we need Christians who are more afraid of missing opportunities than making mistakes. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Forcefully make your thought obey Christ. Forcefully do that. 
Then he says this. Paul says this later. I want you to hold your finger here and turn back to Romans. It's the same process. He had a lot to say about good thinking. Paul was a critical thinker. Paul was probably one of the most intelligent men of his day. He was a Jew of Jews, and he, 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 he was high up in rank. He said this in Romans chapter 12. Some of us have heard this many, many, many times. But it's so good that it ties into the rest of this passage. Look at Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2. Paul said this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Look at Romans chapter 2, 12 and verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this what? But be transformed by the what of your mind? Renewing. Look at that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You can't know what God's will is. You can't function and do God's will until you are transformed and renew your mind. So we have to renew our minds. See, here's the problem though. See, we know what renewals are like. Some of us renew our golf memberships at local golf clubs every year. Why? Because the subscription ran out. Some of you have renewals for, for, for gym and, 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 and places that you work out, and they'll send you a notice, like a month ahead. Hey, you got one month left. And if you want to continue to be fit, what do you do? You renew it. Some of you have renewals to, you, 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 to, to carry guns. Some of you have renewals for clubs that you're part of. Many of you have, have renewals for all kinds of magazines. And, and, and they'll send you notice. It's coming soon. It's going to run out. It's going to run out. It's going to run out. Renew, renew, renew. Why? So that you can continue to be a good golfer. So that you continue to be fit. So you can continue to know how to decorate your house. So you can continue to do, even we have computers. And if we don't put a virus protection on our computer, it corrupts the hard drive. It takes over. And so we get this, we get this notice about three months out. Hey, your, your virus protection is about to run out. So here's the renewal rate. Renew it. And if we don't renew it, what happens? We have a tendency or chance that it will corrupt our files. And so what do we do? We, we get a new renewal. We, we, we renew it. You see, some of us will renew our computers before we renew our minds. And we wonder why our minds are so corrupted. You know why? Because we've let an intruder in called Satan and he's been feeding us some lies and we need to renew our minds daily with what? With God's word and it shuts the virus off. Come on, church. How many of you are more interested in in renewing subscriptions than renewing your mind? (laughs) And how often should we? daily renew our minds. Do it daily. Let me give you another example. So what happens if we don't renew our minds? We store stuff in the frontal lobe of our brain, in our minds, that shouldn't be there. That's corrupt files. That's files that we no longer need. Maybe it's something someone did to us, and and we should have forgiven them. The Word of God says, hey, renew your mind, forgive them. And if you're not lining up with God's Word, you carry this file. When you're finished with the file... You're supposed to throw it away. Let me give you an example. On your computer, after you've used a photo, after you've sent an email, after you, you've written a document that you know that you will no longer use, 
What do we often do? We take it from our desktop, we slide it down into this cute little garbage can that's called a recycle bin. And we slide it down. If you have an apple like I do, it makes a sound. It's there. And so we think, I got rid of it. I don't need that file anymore. But if truth be known, it's not gone. Why? Because it just stores it there. Second step, what do you have to do? You have to touch the trash can on your computer. And it gives you another option. What's it say? Delete all files in the bin. And you know what we do? We say we're not going to hold on to this. And so we temporarily put it over here because we say, I might need this later to hold this against them. Instead of deleting it, instead of reading God's word, it says love keeps no record of wrongs. We go back to the file and we search for it and we bring it back up and we corrupt our minds. Listen to me, church. Some of you need to go to that recycle bin and hit delete this afternoon. Some of you need to get some emails and hit delete. Some of you need to take some photos and delete them and forgive them because hear me out. If you don't worry, anxiousness, bitterness, and resentment will fill your minds. So Paul says, you can't have peace if you refuse to delete the file. If it doesn't line up with God's word, then get rid of it. Some of you are holding on to stuff that your wife and husband and mom and dad and teacher and coach and boss and pastor and former church. Get rid of it. Forgive one another. Do you see our actions line up with our thoughts? Look what he says. I mean, look, look how he wraps this section up. He says in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. We need encouraging models in our lives, Paul is saying. He's saying, if you have witnessed me do it, and this time it was the sign of an apostle. Apostle would look and say, hey, I'm living for God. What I do, I'm trying to live for God. So I've given you an example. We need positive Models, Christ followers in our lives. We need mentors in our lives. We need women and men that are farther down the road than us. We need older women teaching younger women. Isn't that what Titus says? Who said that? Paul said that. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. We need encouraging models like Paul to give us a boost in our faith to remind us that we can make it. That will set our hearts at peace. Because if we don't, you know what happens? We think the wrong thoughts. Let me tell you something, teenagers. Who you hang out with will eventually impact your life more than you realize. That's why mom and dad's so concerned about who you hang out with. Let me tell you, single dudes, men, who you hang out with will influence you. Let me tell you, single ladies, who you're with and they begin to gossip will influence you. At some point, you must think on the things that are right and true and noble, and you must have models in your life that pull the best out of you instead of 
pushing you down. You need people who will push you forward in this sanctification journey instead of causing you to stall. Didn't John say in in Revelation that Jesus will spit out the lukewarm? Like, you know what lukewarm is? It's called a mediocre follower of Christ. You can't spend time in God's word without taking daring steps of faith. So you want to know if you're lukewarm? Ask yourself, what's the last big step of faith that I've taken? How long has it been? Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way. Walk with the wise and become wise. First Corinthians 15, 33, Paul said to the church of the Corinth, don't be misled, church of Corinth. Bad company corrupts good character. We cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. So maybe you're just... He's looking at his church and they were just full of worry, full of anxiety, full of anxiousness and fretting. And he's saying, listen, think on these things. If you keep thinking on the stuff you're thinking on, you will remain in sin. If you continue to do the same thoughts and have the same thoughts that got you there, listen, they won't get you out of where you are. You need to renew your mind daily. How do we change our thinking? We analyze our input. We change our diet. We examine our friendships, he says, and we memorize scripture. Keep in mind, how can we just kind of take this here and just summarize it? Now think about this statement for a second. You're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You're not what you think you are. So if you think I'm defeated, I can't overcome, I'm a waste, I'm a loser. No one wants me. I'm not valuable. I'm not beautiful. I'm not strong. I just can't make it. You see, you're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Why? Because any thought that you have allowed to corrupt the files of your brain, the output of that is a lie. But when you feed yourself truth, I'm redeemed. I am sanctified and justified my citizenships in heaven. My God will never leave me nor forsake me. He promises to work this situation out for good. I'm a child and I sit seated with God in heaven. You see, when you feed yourself those thoughts, you become what that is. So what should we think about? We need to think about things that are true. Yet often we don't. Now think about this. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think angry thoughts, angry words are sure to follow. If you fill your mind with sexual fantasies, your body will find a way to fulfill those desires. If you dwell on your problems, they will soon overwhelm you. If you feel like a victim, soon you will become one. If you give way to worry, don't be surprised when you get ulcers and canker sores. If you think low thoughts, low living is soon to follow. If you expect defeat, you'll probably lose. If you dwell on rejection, you will set yourself up for even more rejection. If you focus on how others misunderstand you, you soon will become angry and bitter. What goes in must come out. And sooner or later, your thoughts will translate into reality. So what's Paul saying? Whatever you've seen, 
whatever you heard in me, put it into practice. If you believe God is good, then act like it. If you believe God works all things out for good, then act like it. If you believe God promises to finish what he started in you and your kids, then act like it. If you believe this is not your final home and your citizenship is in heaven, Paul says, then act like it. If you believe that God is sovereign and complete control, then act like it. If you believe that with God all things are possible, then act like it. If you believe that God can do immeasurably more than all you ask, think, or imagine, then act like it. He's looking at this church. He said, act like it. And I'm saying today, it's time for us to put it into practice. Live according to your theology instead of your anxiety. (laughs) You see, how do you get a good theology? By spending time in God's word. Come on, come on, church. Like, spend time here. This affect the way you think and what you put into practice. You will never live to your redeemed potential unless you're a student of God's word. Amen? Okay. Are you? Instead of living in the sin and in the grip of fear and worry, Paul tells these people, sleep in peace because God is with you. Show me your thoughts. I'll show you your future. We have a choice. Please, don't wait till you have lost something before you become proactive in your thinking. Don't wait until you have totally allowed your stinking thinking to destroy your life. Start today. The choice is yours. You have control over your life. Every good or bad decision begins with a thought. Oh Lord, I pray that there would be a resurrection of our minds. I pray God that you would just keep coming back after us. I pray God that we would remember the truths of your word, that you were resurrected on the third day, that you're coming again, and that that Satan can never defeat us. I pray God that we would line our thoughts up with things that are true and noble and right and lovely and and admirable and, and excellent and praiseworthy. I pray God that we would believe that you are who you said you were and we would live that way so that we walk in peace. In Jesus' name, amen.